this is Scott Weddle with Amelia, and you're listening to Radio 8 Ball with Andros Jones. Welcome to, welcome to Radio 8 Ball, give us a shake. studio tempting fate wherever you are putting questions to songs that we will randomly select here with the help of our friend synchronicity synchronicity now it's time for radio a ball give us a shake Radio Welcome to the Radio 8 Ball Show. I'm your host, Andras Jones, and this is the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions like picking musical tarot cards. This is Radio 8 Ball Season 3, The Appening. 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 Where we are engaging the pop oracle using the Radio 8 Ball app, which is filled with every song recorded in the history of Radio 8 Ball, as well as a couple of hundred of my own. I hope by now you've downloaded the Radio 8 Ball app if you're an iPhone user. It's free and it allows you to play host and conduct your own musical divinations just as we do on the show. The app also plays the latest podcast and selects the randomly chosen pop oracle song of the day. On last week's episode of Radio 8 Ball, Jenny Jenkins asked... My question is, how do I help my kids to be happy? And received as her randomly chosen answer from the pop oracle, France, by the band Amelia. There's a city in In order to fully engage this week's Pop Oracle session, we need to briefly unpack last week's big Mother's Day synchronicity. After Jenny spent the first half of her episode telling us about the impact of losing her mother to leukemia at a young age, she got as her answer a song from Amelia, whose lead singer Tisha Helgerson died of the same disease at the same age and in the same 30-mile radius as Jenny's mother did. Oh, and I didn't even mention it on the show, but when Veda Hilly recorded the song A Toast, which was the song of the day we featured on last week's episode, she was also a mother battling cancer, a battle in which I'm happy to say she was and continues to be victorious. But what's a guy supposed to do with all this death and cancer in his synchronicity? Well, if you're like me, you make a big deal out of it. And then you feel a little bit bad. And then you get up and you do it again. You see, this show is 
half magic and art and healing and half simple showbiz logistics. Coming out of that episode, I had to figure out how to represent the band Amelia and Tisha's song on the show. When I did a little research, I found that the songwriter in the band with Tisha was a guy named Scott Weddle. Scott and I had met when they did our show back in 2006, but like most people, I'd imagine, I kind of fixated on Tisha, her voice and her humorous gravitas. She was the lead singer, after all. Anyway, I reached out to Scott, and he got back to me that day, leading to this session that we recorded on May 15th, 2020, which was a good day, or so I thought. And I'm sorry to do this to you people, but... We're not through grieving because the next day I found out that on May 15th, while we were recording our conversation, one of my favorite directors, Lynn Shelton, was dying and she died. Uh, And I, I, I never met Lynn, but she's from the Northwest, so I've had kind of a worm's eye view to her success. And I've just been an avid cheerleader of everything she's done from her films like Sword of Trust and Hump Day and Your Sister's Sister and shows like Glow and Fresh Off the Boat and Little Fires Everywhere, on which she was also a producer. Um, I tried to get Lynn Shelton on Radio 8 Ball a couple of times, and I have a nice note from her saying how she's interested, but how she's in the middle of an edit. And now, uh, it's sad to say she joins Prince in the realm of dream guests I'll never get to share synchronicity with, at least in person, on this show or anywhere. Um, Lynn's recent collaborations with Mark Marin, who she was in a relationship with, particularly inspired me, and I feel terrible for him and everyone who knew her better than me. Um, but I felt I had to honor her. Um, and, you know, when we're, I don't know, sitting Shiva for the passing of all these amazing women, you know, I hate to say the more the merrier, but... Um, That seems to be the case right now. Anyway, is that enough death for you? Probably not. I mean, seriously, folks, the Pop Oracle is telling us to ponder the void and our mothers and the artists we feel like we can't live without until we have to. But I bet we could all use a breather. So let's time travel a little bit and go back to January of 2006 and check out the original reading that generated the song we'll be talking about on our episode today. And we're here on Radio 8 Ball, the Pop Oracle. Looks like we've got a caller, and caller, you're on the air. Where are you calling from? Uh, Tacoma. From Tacoma. What? Why give so much time to that duck? To the duck? About that duck. <laughs> who, who is, is this Jay? <laughs> but this, 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 this is Jorge. 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 That's Jorge, Andros. Can you tell? Oh, okay. I love when people get silly on the on the air. Okay, okay, Jorge. What's your <laughs> What's your uh, question for the Radio Eight Ball? I want to know if that band's wearing briefs or boxers. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. No, we don't. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta take. You, you've you've entered the presence of the Oracle, my friend, and the Oracle has you now. So we know that there's a question. Lurking in that dark, dark heart of yours. <laughs> Something you really want to know the answer to. Get real with us, Jorge. Who's going to be the next Dylan? Who's going to be the next Dylan? Okay, that's that's not bad. Um, so, uh, 
pick a number between one and eight that is not two, seven, or eight. How about six? Okay, song number six. Jorge wants to know who's going to be the next Dylan. So song six will be the answer to this. Please stay on the line, Jorge, and we'll be back to uh, help you interpret this. And the name of that song was? France. France. Well, I think that's a pretty good answer to uh, <coughs> Jorge's question about uh, who's going to be the next Dylan. Um, what did you all think 
Somebody um, from France. Amelia. He or she is in France, <laughs> yeah. living there, traveling there, been there. Yeah. Know, or listening could, right now to that song. I'm not sure. Could be someone, you know, who's named Frank. <laughs> oh. I was thinking. Frank. Frank. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Francis. Francis. Mm -hmm. You know, could it's be. It's all right there. Francis X. Remember? Uh, you hey, uh, Jorge. <laughs> you there? He can't. Is he still on the phone? He's shaking his head. <laughs> Coward. Uh, well, I was going to ask if Jorge remembered Francis X from Fa Francis X and the Bushman. I knew that. I know that Jorge spent some time in L.A. And maybe he's the next Dylan. Maybe. Maybe Francis Bean. Isn't Fra that the name of uh, uh, Kurt, Cobain's Kurt Cobain's son? Son, yeah. Son or daughter? Daughter, daughter sorry. Oh, daughter, yeah, sorry. I meant yeah, daughter sorry, when I said son. <laughs> uh so that's who the so that's a little take on who the next Dylan is going to be, and uh, there'll never be another Dylan. There never will be another Dylan, but there will be probably be people who of. are just as important for their time that's right. as he was for his, or still continues to be for his. So um, yeah, we're still here on Radio Eight Ball, and now we're just lounging. We're in that last the last little lap. Who's your theme music, Andra? Uh, a band called Double Knot Spy Car from Los Angeles. I like it. Great, great band. Yeah. Yeah. Double Knot Spy kinda. Car? Double Knot Spy Car, like 007, but ah. Double Knot. Yeah, it's cool. I like it. The record's called Comb in Blue Water. All right. Uh, yeah. A lot of fun. I met, I met them at a venue in Los Angeles called Largo, opening for a guy named John Bryan, who, in fact, to tie things up, uh, the last show I played at Largo, I played with uh, Eleni Mandel, oh. who wrote th your song, one of your songs. Tristesa, we covered yeah. Tristesa, yeah. yeah. She's great. Yeah. I remember when she used to be the, work the coffee bar at Highland Grounds no when my band used to play there. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Is she nice? No. Yeah. Not she's at all. She's not, that she's, this is not her deal. <laughs> <laughs> she's got a lot of really good attitude that comes out of her music. Did and you that's get it? That's just how she is. Yeah. It? yeah. Yeah. You can tell. Yeah. Very, very stone faced. No. No. And that's cool. I mean, she and Amy Mann could have a major <laughs> frown down. <laughs> frown I just have to clarify one thing here. I, uh, I've had Eleni Mandel on Radio 8 Ball in the last couple of years, twice actually, once as the musical guest and once asking a question on the Inara George episode. And both times she was very warm and outgoing and had a great sense of humor. And uh, in fact, I'm going to share this with her and I'm pretty sure even she would have to admit that the idea of a frown down with Amy Mann is kind of funny but we did talk about even on her episode about how back in the day I was intimidated by her and she was intimidating so it's all in good fun and it was a pretty cool synchronicity to realize that Amelia actually covered an Eleni Mandel song 
Tristessa, which is a great song from her first CD, Wishbone, from share some exciting information with you. Thrilling, really. Uh, I don't know if you know about this, but Radio 8 Ball has an app. <laughs> yes, we do. And it's filmed with every song recorded in the history of the show, including a whole bunch of my own. And it's free. And if you're an iPhone user, uh, you know, you could have it by the end of this episode, surely. Uh, all you'd have to do is download it. And uh, did I say it's free? How exciting is that? And I, I don't know if I've told you about this, but you know, we have this Patreon campaign. It's not like other people's Patreon campaigns in that, uh, well, uh, it's super, super cheap. It's a dollar a month to hear all the bonus episodes, which basically is all my questions. And my questions are awesome. They're great. They're really fantastic. They, uh, especially this week's. This week's is literally terrible. Sorry. This week's is so good that it makes me feel terrible inside. And isn't that something that you would pay 25 cents to check out? I'll include the Patreon link in the show notes. It may seem like a, a hurdle because you have to figure out how to deal with Patreon, but gosh darn it, it's worth it. It'll make your life so much better, and, and mine too. And let me ask you a little question. Do you ever wake up in the morning and you just think, I really want to celebrate Radio 8 Ball and its impact on my life? and help other people to find this powerful resource that I enjoy uh, and have enjoyed for years, but you just don't know how? Well, now there's a way for you to express that, and that's to to uh, go and give us ratings and reviews at, uh, the, uh, Apple, at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and give us really good reviews and high ratings. And if you write your synchronicity story, I'll read it on the show. And I can, I, you know, I can feel the inspiration and excitement coming through. Like you're, I can feel your, your enthusiasm uh, and I'm talking to you and you, and I'm nodding my head because that's what I learned how to do when I was selling 
slicer dicers in the mall that if you point at people and you sh- and you nod your head, they're going to start nodding back and at you and smiling because you're smiling, and then they're going to buy the stuff that you're selling. And uh, if you haven't already, please don't forget to hit subscribe in your podcast app so you'll get all our episodes as soon as they are released. And that bit of fun behind us, uh, we can get down to the Radio 8 Ball episode that is before us. It was recorded on May 15th, 2020. And now, as we always do, to enter the realm of the Pop Oracle, we're going to share the Pop Oracle song of the day from May 15th, 2020. It's a song from Dan Byrne, who, through no fault of his own, got all mixed up in this episode. You'll see what I mean. mean, He's a great songwriter who, based upon what you'll hear in the next hour, has obviously had a profound effect on me. And here he is with the song Tongue Tied, performed live on KAOS 89.3 FM in Olympia on September 27th, 2005. Now that everything has been sold This song is hard to love To love Trust has been a little frazzled With a song been so long since I talked to anyone sorry if my body is a furnace but it's been so long since I clouds are in the mirror, but in the window I'm clear, it's clear, I'm clear as everyone, sorry if my song's a little shy, but it's been so long. Now that everything has been sold 
song is tongue-tied and we're here on may 15th 2020 talking with scott weddle of the band amelia whose song france answered jenny jenkins question on our last episode and scott where are we reaching you uh, i'm in portland oregon at my house how are you pandemicking are you alone are you with are you with Folks, what's what's your pandemic deal? Well, it's uh, it's kind of been uh, changing over the over the months, but it started out um, I was alone for a while as my my wife was gone for several weeks of it, and then so I was home, um, you know, stewing and worrying and um, making trips to the Winco to buy too much of everything. And then uh, she came home, and then since then we we did the bulk of it, just the two of us at our house. And then in the last two three weeks, she uh, had to go back to work. Um, I was sort of in between. Um, I'm I, my job recently has been touring music, and so I was uh, home from a tour that ended kind of uh, mid mid to late February. And then I, I was just going to be home anyway. So the only thing that's different from what I would be doing is there's nothing else scheduled. <laughs> um, I'm home like I would have been, but there's nothing else scheduled. And my wife is back at is back at work. She works at a fancy grocery store, so she had to go back earlier than we probably would have liked her to. But, um, you know, she works at a store that's real, has been sort of leading the way, you know, being... Um, anticipating things and you know not just doing the bare minimum but kind of getting ahead of it so it makes us feel good about where she works is it a local like a locally owned place? it's a it's a company called new seasons and i we've got a bunch here i think they might have had some in seattle but i don't know if they ever if they ever got to olympia or i know seattle's farther north but yeah. i don't know if they have any in olympia or not. no no but i seem to remember them from my my visits to portland in the past yeah i'm curious my mind goes on two tracks. The part of me that wants to be distracted, wants to know about who you were playing with and who you were touring with. The part of me that wants to obsess about how we sort of survive this pandemic wants to know when you say they're at the front, the leading edge. Can you talk about... So we'll, I'll start with the nightmare and we'll go to the fun distraction. <laughs> so I'm doing this totally solo. I'm totally alone. I'm able... So in some senses, I'm... To the extent that this is a very dangerous thing, I'm very lucky. My exposure is very, very minimal. Uh, to the extent that human interaction is important to our psychological health, I may be losing my mind. And thank goodness for this podcast. You're doing, you're doing, you're doing your own work to, for, to help at-risk communities with this with this call, Scott. But I'm curious, how, where do you fall? Like, so you're basically able to hang out at home, but you're married to a germ vector. How do you deal with that? <laughs> uh, she doesn't like it when I call her a germ vector. Yeah, I understand. Uh, I Maybe that's why I live alone. Well, I, I think I've been sort of, you know, at first 
I think all of us just sort of said, you know, everything, we're on lockdown, can't move. We just got to be in these houses. We got to be in our house and got to be, we got to wipe off everything that comes in the house or not touch it for days. And, and I think that as we've been learning more about it and sort of coming to terms with the idea that, um, you know, we can't, we can't stay in our houses forever. You know, we just, in my case, you know, I was, because I'm a private, or what do you call it? A, in, what do you call it? A contractor? I'm a private contractor. You know, yeah. Whatever that tax category is where I submit a ton of receipts at the end of the year and, and um, I get 1099s and stuff like that. So I had some extra money that I owed the government. You know, I owe the government a bunch of tax money. And so I've just been able to kind of live on the money that I owe the government. Um, and we'll deal with that later. But um, so I had the luxury of that while neither my wife um, nor I were working. And so now that now that she's back, that's taken some pressure off. She gets us health insurance. So that's, you know, we didn't really have any choice as far as her going back or not. She kind of had to go back. So I guess to answer your question, it just feels like you have to do the best you can to make, you know, to, to manage risk. You have to not, you have to not do things that are, um, that you can avoid that would bring you more risk. But in our case, you know, her going to work is something that we can't avoid. So, you know, I'm trying since, since she's gone back to work, I've started doing some like little bit of, um, handyman work for friends and things where I just work outside their house and replace windows and stuff. And I'm largely outside their house. And if I go inside, I make sure I have a mask and there's nobody around, and, you know, just kind of trying to, I think the, the problem with all this Andros is that I think we're all having to decide for ourselves because no one is telling us, you know, I think there are voices telling us that everything's dangerous and there are, Voices telling us that nothing's dangerous, and we all just have to manage risk and and um, figure out, you know, how to get how to get through it for ourselves because no one is really no one is really making it clear what we're supposed to be doing. I mean, in my case, Portland just opened up. Um, today is a soft. I guess I don't know what they're calling it. Soft opening is that a, is that a thing? But there, are a lot of different businesses that are opening. Um, you know, you can get a haircut, I think, as of today in Portland and, you know, but I think that everybody realizes that that's just going to mean that, you know, people are going to get exposed and there's going to be, there are going to be outbreaks and, you know, pockets of problems and then you're going to have to, we might have to lock it down again and, you know, there's, there's just no, there's no um, sort of simple answer to it, is there? No, no, not at all. There's so many things in what you said. Uh, you know, like when you said that, even just that phrase, you're like, I work in my friend's houses, and when I go into their house, I wear a mask and no one's around. And like, two months ago, that's a creepy thing to say. Sure. <laughs> I, I only go to their house with wearing a mask when no one's around. That sounds, that sounds bad. Uh, <laughs> and, and then the other thing I'm thinking about is because... Uh, like I'm just I really am curious because so I'm I'm dating someone but she's in uh, Maryland she has a kid and she's you know she's taking care of business there but mm -hmm. whenever she tells me she goes out and like I get 
You, you remember the scene in, in Alien where Ripley won't let Tom scare it and uh, Harry Dean Stanton back on the ship because he's got an alien inside him and they convince, <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. they convince her yeah. it's okay and she lets them in? Right. That's how I, I feel like if I was living with someone, that's where I would be. I'd be like, okay, get outside. When you come in through the airlock, right. you, gotta, you, gotta take, you take off all your clothes, get in the shower, wash it all off. Yeah. But again, because I'm able to totally control my environment for the most part, it makes it easy to sort of have a purist's attitude towards it. And I'm not having to be confronted by what it's like when you are, you know, when you're doing this with family, when you're doing with this with people, especially when you're doing with people who are having to be out there. I think you're the first person I've spoken with in the course of this show who's in a relationship with someone who's a uh, an essential worker. Um, I should, we should probably should get to, get to talking about music because I'm also curious about how this has, has affected your, like who you were on tour with and all that. But, uh, let me just say one, let me just say one thing, Andras, which is before I had, I felt a lot like you felt when we were on, when we were doing the first, you know, two months of lockdown where I was living in the most cautious possible manner and I was ordered groceries online and, you know, just was like not leaving the house and just being as cautious as I could. And at some point I was driving home one day from something I was doing and I drove by a grocery store and I put on a mask. There was nobody in line to get into the grocery store. And it was my wife's grocery store. She doesn't work at this one, but it was another one. And so I, I got the courage and I put on my mask and I, and I stood in line and, you know, observed distance and I got in the store and I went through and did a, shop, a bit of shopping and and it felt so good to kind of take control of a bit of the situation you know it felt it felt so liberating to know that sure there is more risk in this you know there's more risk in this than if I stay home of course but it felt like this is a manageable risk and the, and the reward is that I don't have to go poor, you know, paying a ton more money to get groceries delivered to my house. And, and I can actually, I can choose the things that I want and stuff like that. And I can get the essential things. So my point is that that was sort of a turning point for me in this whole thing when I, when I actually felt safe enough to go into a store and I had gloves and I had, you know, Purell in the car. And when I was done, I washed everything when I got home and stuff, but just being able to being able to do something so simple when you're when your home and your imagination and your and your fear is kind of controlling you and and rightfully so you know like the, nobody's saying that there's anything wrong with that i'm not somebody that doesn't think there's a there's a real risk i believe the risk so but it it really felt good for me to do that and the other thing that felt really good was to sit across a, a yard from my friends both of us with our masks on this was early on i literally felt a um I felt butterflies giddiness inside my chest that I could talk to my friends. Like I, it was a physical feeling. I was just so happy to talk to somebody and be in the same yard. So I would say, you know, if you have a, if you have a mask, you feel good about meet somebody in a park, just, you know, talk loud 15 feet away, both of you with your masks on. It feels so good to try to get some little parts of our lives back like that. Main, you know, maintain the, your, the caution, but I'm just saying it does feel good. 
So that's good advice. That's good advice. Yeah, man. I, w- I, I need mean, to. I need to do. That's good. That's that's good. I need to make. I need to make a plan. Now I need to figure find out who the right person for that is. But but let's get to the. Uh, let's get to talking about your. Uh, you said you were on tour, or you just got. Yeah. Your, who were you? Who you been touring with? Oh, for la- about the last ten years, I've been playing with this uh, woman named Storm Large. Oh yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I play guitar for Storm, and I've been doing that since. Man, it's just time flies by but i think it's been 10 years it started it started uh, when she did a play here in portland she did a one-woman show that she wrote and i was in the band for that i played drums in that because my friend you're actually our mutual friend jim brunberg um is the one that got me that gig because he he produced the record and he and i were friends and so he said uh, my friend scott can play drums even though it was sort of a lie and so i played drums and then i eventually transitioned to guitar and then I started playing in her, in her band, and um, we've been just, you know, touring, and it's it's a good enough gig where I don't have to have a day job, you know. I still hustle, you know. Like I said, I still do handyman stuff, and we have downtime where I got to go out, figure out how to make money, and try and keep the lights on. Um, but I've been doing that for been doing that for a while. So would that make you one of the balls? <laughs> no, the balls was actually that was her previous. Oh, that was her previous. It was Storm band. Large and the Balls before. Now it's just yeah. Storm Large. Yeah, it's more. I mean, she has a name for us, but nobody really ever says it. She calls us uh, Le Bonaire, which is the happiness in French. Huh. Um, but um, nobody ever really calls us that. The Storm and the Balls thing was a real. You know that had sort of some yeah. local traction here, but you know now we just kind of back her up. It's still one guy that was in that previous was that was in the balls is still with her. Her piano player James is still is still playing piano, and um, but everyone else was not in the balls. Just like Adolf Hitler, one ball left. <laughs> Um, you don't want to it's, ne- it's never a good I, I guess that's the only way that's okay to compare a band to Adolf Hitler I didn't know where you were going with just like Adolf Hitler but I'm glad you stuck the landing I, yeah, I was nervous <laughs> sorry about that sorry about that it's okay well I hope you're not too nervous to unpack what we have to unpack next which is the uh, well, the really potent reading that occurred on our last episode with Jenny Jenkins, and you, you heard it, and when she had been talking about her mother and all of that experience, and then she got the song uh, France by Amelia, which you performed on Radio 8 Ball with the band uh, all those mm-hmm. years ago, uh, and I was I immediately knew that, oh, well, this is this sort of third rail you gotta you know all of a sudden the show gets very serious i'm like okay in my mind i'm like okay well this is a true synchronicity which because her mom because jenny's mom died of leukemia at the age of 42 and the your songwriting partner in amelia in in amelia uh tisha she also died of leukemia and at, at that age and i you know and in a way, at that point, I'm like, I don't really know how to have an opinion about this other than to know that this is potent. And I knew it was really potent for Jenny, and I knew it would mean reaching out to a member of the band. And I really mm-hmm. am I'm 
very uh, honored that you responded so so quickly uh, and oh, was... to, to, to this. Um, yeah, no so... problem. I mean, I take take it seriously. You got to take the eight ball seriously. When, when the eight <laughs> ball reaches out, you got to. Well, yeah. Well, and especially in this way. So I'm, and I guess there was a part of me that at that point knew that there was another half of this, which is what are you going to make of it to have someone call you out of the blue and 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 bring this up because it's you know i've lost friends uh and it's it's one of those things where you're always happy to talk about them but you also never want to have i don't know it's complicated so uh the the stage is yours what's your response to all of this whether you want to approach it from the side of the reading or talking about amelia well i mean I guess that, uh, you know, that was certainly, it's, it's poignant, you know, to have someone else who, whose mom or, you know, a close, a close friend. Tisha was my, um, for a long time we were in a, we were just bandmates. We started the band together and then she was my girlfriend, uh, for a while. And then, then she wasn't. So, you know, I had a pretty, uh, I had a long and kind of multi-layered relationship with her and uh you know we we did a lot of we did a lot of stuff musically and otherwise you know we just we had a rich friendship and um and complicated you know friendship but we uh you know it was a really i remember when she was diagnosed with leukemia she had a the chronic version it's called CLL and it's um it's kind of chronic and slow moving you know I I mean I don't want to if there's anybody out there that's a leukemia expert you know I I certainly am not but it's like there are different different um, acronyms for the different kinds and some are sort of easier to treat some are harder to treat some are slower moving and she had this kind of slower moving one that um was just with us almost the entire time we did that band you know she she would get treatments sort of experimental experimental treatments she seemed she seemed healthy you know um she would go into the doctors and they and they would you know give her different treatments and say that counts were out of whack or whatever and so we kind of we would joke with her you know trying to minimize it just for her sake um we would say like, get a real cancer, you know, <laughs> we were like, this cancer, this is just a, you know, this is just like a cancer on paper. You know, we, and believe me, I understand that that, that joke is not something that you, um, you know, don't. It's a joke you make with your friends or with your loved right, ones. Right, with your best friend, you yeah. know, who has cancer and, and, and you're trying to, you're trying to live spirits and, um, and um, just, you know, we all just, just grab ass and and making jokes all the time because that's just what friends do so we would try to you know get her out of her funks and you know um help her feel better and but you know it was really we put out a record where we didn't have to deal with that and then we put out everything else where we did including that song france that that uh, jenny was linked to through the eight ball so it um it was just like a cloud um, that was with us for the for the whole time. What did you mean? And sorry, eventually, what do you mean when you said that uh, you did? So you did the first record, 
So when before the first at the first record she hadn't been diagnosed and then afterwards yeah, she okay that's that right. was with you the whole time okay cool yeah so the, so her diagnosis came after the first record and then that was something that we dealt with for the whole band and and when I say dealt with you know most of the time we didn't think about it but towards the end we really had to think about it because it it just took it eventually just took us out of commission and took her out of commission and um, made. You know, I have a memory of when we went up to do the eight ball. I remember driving up there. Uh, my friend JT picked us up and drove us up. And I remember her sleeping on the way home in the car. And and, and it may, you know, she was, she was having a tough time, man, like that. There was a lot for a, at that time. What year was that that we did the eight ball? It was January 10th, 2006. 2006. So she would have been 37 or 38. You know, and we were all, we would have all been really healthy, you know, and normally, you know, we were all in our 30s, late 30s. So my memory of her sleeping on the way home, you know, is probably, she probably wasn't feeling good. And so it's all, it's all wrapped up in there, man. When I listen to those lyrics, you know, I think I wrote, I wrote probably half of that song. She started it. And then didn't know how to finish it or wanted help finishing it. So I, I helped her with the words, but so much of what, you know, when you're in a band with a, with a singer and the band was called Amelia and everybody thought that was her name. And we I even wrote, made that mistake on the last episode. It's okay. Yeah. It, I mean, everybody did. And so, so we, um, when Jesse and I, the bass player, when we would write songs, we would write them for her to sing and so a lot of what we would write just had this um melancholy you know like i think we were already kind of we were sort of in that we were elliot smith fans and leonard cohen fans and um you know gillian welch fans and sad sad music fans you know so so we didn't need much kind of prodding but then we were um trying to write for her and i think sometimes you know, it could get, I don't want to say like gloomy, but like it could be melancholy. You know, that, that song in particular, I, I feel there's a lot of melancholy in it. Oh yeah. Did you have any thoughts about that in terms of, in relating it to Jenny's question about how can she make her kids happy? I did, you know, I, I thought about, you know, that song, I was trying to remember the lyrics while I was, unfortunately, I heard on the podcast you guys playing, so it reminded me how it goes, but it's kind of a song about, Tisha was a Francophile, she lived in France when she was, uh, when she was in college, I think, she, or at least she was there for enough months to be able to speak French, and, um, you know, she spent a lot of time there, and she loved it, so, and I, um, lived in South America when I was a kid. And so like both of us kind of had this like romance with traveling and with um, other places. And she started that song about uh, a couple dancing in in their living room in France. And I sort of, I think I might've written the, I know I wrote the last verse and I'm pretty sure I wrote the middle one and it kind of turned into a, a story of lovers. Be like a memory of, of love of love stories and of um of like that last verse of being kids that 
loved a movie so much and had so much time that they would go to the this movie every day and watch the same movie and and they had so much time that they would just stay and all the way to the end every time you know like that what it was like to be a kid and to be in love and not have any not really have any uh, restrictions on time so so i think that as far as how it relates to a question about how do i keep my kids or how how can i ensure my kids will be happy i sort of feel like um if there's a lesson from it it's it's you know love love what you can when you can all you can and travel go to movies and and you know i think i think parents you know jenny sounds like a super sweet person i can already tell that her kids are going to be happy because all i got to do is love them you know yeah yeah and you're right she's great she's really great so okay well then uh moving on before we get to your question, I just wanted to check in with you about today's song of the day for May 15th, Dan Burns' song, Tongue Tied, which was recorded on KAOS and Olympia, as the Amelia songs were, on September yeah. 27th, 2005. So just a little, a little bit before you got there, the fall before you got there. And um, are you familiar with Dan? As a songwriter or as a musician? I'm not. I mean, the name sounds familiar, but I'm not sure if I'm thinking of the same Dan Byrne that um, I might have heard of. So Probably. He's played I'm... a lot in Portland and at Mississippi Studios. And yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'll, I'll just give you one little fun piece of uh, information about that song. So this was uh, Dan's the only songwriter who's been on the show who I think has ever done this. He came to town to do his show, and he we're, we're, we're friends, and he was on tour, and he had a few days off, and so he just rented a room in a cheap hotel in downtown Olympia and wrote eight new songs that he performed on the show. He's a very prolific guy. He's an incredibly prolific songwriter, but he wrote eight new songs that he performed on the show that week. So, like, he came into town on a Sunday, and the show was on a Tuesday night, and he just knocked them out. And uh -huh. uh, several of them ended up on his next record called Breeze. And this was one of them, Tongue Tied. So uh, I'm curious, did was did it strike any particular synchronicity with you? Oh, man, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how to define synchronicity necessarily for myself, but um, I, I, definitely, I definitely appreciated kind of what he was mining. You know, I think all musicians are, you know, are sort of compelled to do this thing and and um you know it's the the idea of who cares you know does anybody really care if we do this does anybody who's it for is it for us is it for is it for somebody that might buy it is it you know is is this just just the most selfish possible pursuit in the world you know like is it okay for me just to be this focused on something that's so for me um if that's really who it is for you know uh I think that, you know, I think artists would just, I, I feel weird calling myself an artist, I guess, you know, a musician. Um, you are, like you know, I think you just said a minute, a few minutes ago that you don't have to have a day job. 
You work <laughs> as a professional artist. You're a professional musician. A musician is an art. You're an artist. Sorry. Well, I guess okay. I'll I'll take that. But yeah, you know. That, so as far as synchronicity and things beyond that, I'm not sure. But I, I definitely can. I definitely if if I'm interpreting it right, I, I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling an understanding with that, with him, and um, you know that internal conversation that he's making external about art and uh, who it's for and if anybody cares and if anybody's ever going to buy it and if if people talking over you in a bar um, that want you to play covers is why you got into music or if, if people talking over your originals while you play in a bar is is payback for why you got into it you know like it's a hard thing man it's just it's just a hard it's a hard thing to wrap your head around you know as a as a musician so yeah well uh Two things that makes me think of one, just the lines in the song where he's saying, sorry if I'm a little tongue tied, but it's been so long since I've talked to anyone. Sorry if my body is a furnace, but it's been so long since I've been touched by anyone. I love that. Yeah, that's a great line. Those both feel very uh, well. They they reflect my experience of this time of just wondering what's it going to be like to interact with. Um, it's going to be a little bit awkward at first, maybe. To, yeah to re-engage with society what are the new boundaries we're all going to be so excited to get out there and at the same time so frightened to be like it's just a it's an interesting dynamic and especially uh, with your with your propensity for long awkward hugs you know like when, yeah, yeah when you start doing that to people it's gonna get it's gonna get weird <laughs> <laughs> uh i had a uh, it's a terrible phrase but it's uh there are the the good long hugs and they're good and especially when it's with someone <laughs> but you know the people who just give you the super like they rush up to you and give you and i guess this is something more of an experience for women uh this a woman i was dating there was a guy who used to throw these parties and whenever she would show up he would just come to her and just give her the biggest hug and just hold her you know oh it's so good yeah. to see you and she'd be like she's like afterwards i always just feel like i was heart raped that's what she would oh, say. Yeah, like they're like they're taken more away than they're given. <laughs> yeah, or just yeah. something like, and it's like, oh, and it, when he, she said that phrase, it just like locked in my head of like, never want to be that guy. Never. Like, yeah, you just you can't do you can't savor it too long, and you can't you can't do like a big exhale, like a slow exhale as you hug somebody. I mean, it you depends. Know, it, yeah, it depends who it is. <laughs> I mean, if it's like context, but no, not when you're just greeting someone who's just arriving at your party. Yeah. If you're at a funeral with someone, uh, that's a different thing. If you're not going to see someone who you you know you've been lovers with, and you're not going to see them for a year, yeah, right. Give that sign. I know it's, you've, it's, it's, it's earned. It feels like hugging is kind of has changed in our lifetimes. You know, I'm I'm just turned fifty, so you know when I was a kid, nobody hugged. Nobody hugged me probably all, I mean, other than my family, <laughs> probably hugged me all the way until I was in my 30s. And then all of a sudden people start hugging. I was like, wow, okay, I got to learn how to do this now, you know, like, and then guys are doing like the handshake, half hand, the thumb handshake, like bring in, yeah. do the half hug, you know, like, it's really funny how hugging has evolved. And when I was a kid, like I said, I lived in South America, I moved to Argentina. And so I'm like, I'm 18, no, probably 19 years old. And they're not just huggers. They're like kiss on uh, both cheeks. To everyone, all the women, you know, are doing the kiss on both cheek and all the men are hugging. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is like so much affection. You know, like I just couldn't even process it. So 
I'm slow to the whole. I'm slow to it, but I'm learning. Yeah. Well, at least you at least you know you're not guilty of giving inappropriately long hugs to if anything if anything they're too short yeah you need to you need to learn you need to yeah we all it's all we're all on a spectrum we're all learning it's all on a spectrum uh and then before we get to your question i just wanted to tell because you mentioned we're talking about dan Byrne, and you mentioned people talking over you while you're playing and i have to say one of my proudest i this gives me an opportunity to to share a little anecdote of one of my proudest moments that happened in portland what's that uh what's the big for what's the big rock club downtown it's all black inside maybe burbodies or Dante's yeah or, yeah uh, it's burbodies and i'm pretty sure it's burbodies maybe i'm wrong but anyway dan was playing in this place and i'm a big fan i was there and uh and i was at the bar and there was a he started playing and there was someone in the front in in one of the tables up front who was just talking throughout and like through the first song and it's i it's one of my least favorite things in the world and i took one of the match boxes little match boxes off the bar and put it in my finger and i gave it a little and i flicked it and <laughs> the gods of rock and roll were with me i mean I'm sw- i swear it was 25 30 feet away it flew through the dark of the bar and hit the guy and he immediately stopped talking and the show went great from there and i have to say like, I really do think on my deathbed of the things that go through my mind, like that brought me so much, I don't know, righteous and also childlike joy. Anyway, I wanted to well, share it's, that. It's because... something to be proud of having, you know, even when you, uh, when you throw a sock across the room and get in the laundry bucket, you know, it's that feels feeling. good. Right. But to, <laughs> to have it happen in public and, just to just to achieve its aim it's like i wish that i could you know like i wish i had a superpower that i could just go around with matchboxes and solve problems that way like i could do that at, at trump's press conferences just shut him up there and you know oh, Jesus. <laughs> i don't know i don't know how people learn i mean i think a lot of us everybody everybody seems to know how to behave at concerts but i don't know how you're supposed to learn that like are your parents do you think do you think that it's just a fault of parenting or something that people don't say hey when you go to a performance don't yell don't talk louder than the performance like i don't know how you how you teach that or how you're supposed to learn it but uh, see i it, learned it through like my mom would come and talk through my shows like <laughs> yeah i didn't learn that it that is so I, funny i learned it from the op- from its opposite I love my mom. She's great, but it was a source of a great deal of consternation in my. That is so funny! Oh my god! Yeah, she would come and she would she would drink in the front row and just talk to people while I'm playing songs about like my heart, my heart, mom, my fucking heart. Your mom is your own heckler. I I had my mom one time. I was playing an outdoor concert, and she came up while we were playing. It was with Amelia, actually. She came up and with her phone in her hand and wanted me to say hi to my sister while I was playing. I was like, Mom, dude, what are you doing? This isn't going to work. But yeah, anyway. Your mom and my mom should be in some sort of road movie together. <laughs> they're traveling. They're, yeah, in the movie, we're touring together. And they travel along <laughs> and ruin every one of our shows. 
Oh man, that's fine. With the best of intentions, and we can't be mad at them because they're no man. It's but my mom, you know, she's probably she's trying to make me say hi to my sister because she's happy for us. You know, so I just got to roll with it. But you can't not be mad at them because God. Anyway, okay. Well, now we're, we're we get to we get to the point in the show where you get to engage the pop oracle okay. with your question. We're going to find out who the next guest is going to be through this process. So, do you have the app at the ready? All right, I'm looking at the app, and then it says "Ask the Pop Oracle." Should I click that? Yeah. Okay. And you can type the question, or you can say it. It has to be the same length as a, a Twitter post. Okay, I think I've got it. It's not the greatest question in the world. I don't have, I don't think I'm gonna impress anybody that much with it. But well, now you're now you're making it really interesting. So well, I'm underselling it. Scott Weddle, what is your question for the Pop Oracle? Okay, Pop Oracle, how do we learn not to take things for granted? That's a great question. How do we learn not to take things for granted? Okay. And it's a hard. I was trying to figure out the way to phrase it. How do we? How do we unlearn taking things for granted? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, give it a shake and let's see what we get. Should I say done and then? Yeah. Okay. And now I shake. Oh my God, it works. My answer. My answer is Before the Show by Andras Jones. Oh, it's the first time it's one of my songs that comes up as the answer. And holy shit, it's a song I wrote about Dan Byrne. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> Let's listen to the song and then uh, we'll talk about well, it. If you want to meet Mr. Big You, better not do it, B, for his gig. Because if you do, he'll probably spill his drink all over you before the show. Because he's wound too tight and hung too loose Feeling the fall of the night like it's the weight of the news Yeah, he takes it all so serious He says the same thing about us Oh, but if you must really get to know him Better wait until after the show Takes it 
My own song, Before the Show, which I recorded in Lawrence, Kansas, for my Religious 99 EP, and that uh, I played on that with the drummer and the bass player who ended up playing on the Dan Byrne song, Tongue Tied on His Breathe record, which may also have been recorded in Lawrence, Kansas with those guys. So the Dan Byrne synchronicities continue. I did not expect that. But before we get into talking about my stuff, what did you think about that as the answer to your question about not taking things for granted, Scott? Well, I think going to Lawrence, Kansas to record it was your first good move. (laughs) Um, Not only did you go to Kansas to make records, so I'm glad that at least someone is. Did you know that Back in Black was recorded in the Bahamas? Um, anyway, <laughs> I just think that's strange. But anyway, um, I don't know. I don't know the answer, Andras. I think uh, my question, the question that I asked is one that I already sort of have a cynical answer to. So um, I might need some help. I might need some help uh, and find the synchronicity. Well, uh, what do you mean? Tell, give us a little bit of background about the context of where the question comes from. What's the cynical answer that well, you have in mind? I guess I feel like as a species, one of my problems as a person, and I think everybody's problem is the inability to to take the things that are going well and appreciate them rather than and the things that you have and appreciate the things you have rather than looking forward to the next thing you have. And, you know, this goes, this relates back to Tisha with health and all of us in our health while we have it. It's incredible, man, that this this flesh suit is working the way it's supposed to, because when it stops working, it's a whole, it's a thing. And um, you don't realize, you know, just how well things are going. And so I, I guess I sort of feel like it's, People that live next to the ocean take for granted that they live next to the ocean. People that don't live next to the ocean just wish they could live next to the ocean. So I feel I feel a little cynical asking the question because I feel like I kind of already know the answer. But um, that's what I meant. Well, let, let me give you a little bit of a background on the song. Because, I mean, I said I wrote it about Dan, but it's really about me. I mean, it's something about it's about a dynamic that I recognized in someone else because it was familiar to me about myself. Um, And I've discovered to be true of other people as well, that an artist before their show is, you know, it's the temptation to go up and say, hey, I came here. It's it's good to see you is natural, but it's ill-advised. I, I for sure you don't want to get between a dog and its bowl when it's hungry and you don't want to get between an artist and a stage 
an hour before the show. Maybe some people are better than better at that. I mean, I've had situations where I got like the cool backstage treatment at some big like I, I was backstage at McCartney once and he uh he has like a whole like there's a whole thing where there are contest winners who he comes out and he meets and he greets and maybe that's a different thing than but like if you're a friend of McCartney's maybe you don't talk to him before the show because you know he's got all this other stuff to do um so that's kind of what it's about not just like that they have other stuff to do but that your nervous system is in a it's like talking to a fighter you know especially and then I think that's sort of how at least at the time how Dan approached like he has has a sort of like approaching songwriting like a, like an athlete a little bit. So getting his game face on a little bit. So yeah. and encountering that could be tough. And at the same time, I guess from the standpoint of appreciation, there's a sense of appreciating that, what would it be? Like not taking for granted that some that something is that some an experience is going to be good because it might be bad it might be a bad experience and the bad experience might not be because you did anything wrong or because they did anything wrong but because that's just the nature of the experience right like before the show might look like a cool place to be if you've never been there but if you've ever been there the green room before a show no amateurs we don't want like <laughs> Stay away. People are, people are going, you know, stay away from me with the phone, mom. I don't want to talk to my sister. I got to go out there and be a, and kill it in front of this crowd. And my lead singer has, you know, is, has, you know, an attitude about something and the bass player is mad at me because of some other thing. And I feel like I have a cold, you know, like there's just all these things that, and you don't want to, you don't want to be there. So I think there's something about, um, it's like, Maybe I want to turn it on its head and not taking, I don't want to use like privilege as a catch word, but yeah. you have the, like your friends playing, you have the privilege to get back and see them, but maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you should yeah, wait. Yeah. Maybe, maybe don't take for granted that because you can do it, you should. You should. Yeah. That's funny. And true. Yeah, it's definitely true. My thing is whenever I'm, trying to get off the stage you know there's a band waiting to get on or oh yeah and i'm trying to break down and, and all my friends up, want to come yeah. up and talk <laughs> like dude i can't talk right now i got to wrap up all this garbage that i just used and get out of here for the next guy but you know but yeah i, I feel that it's really it's a really good song by the way i like it it's very very catchy Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, it was fun. I got to, I, I'm proud of it because I played bass on it. I don't think it's the best bass playing in the world. But as a guitar player, you probably know it's just fun when you play a different instrument on something. And yeah. I've been it's a funny synchronicity. I've because I have this time, I've got up, I got out my bass and I wrote a new song sort of so that I could learn how to play bass on it, I think. Cool. And so I've been all of a sudden it's just funny for the first time in God, 15 years, I got the bass out and started playing this week. So it's funny that this came up. And I we got to, so let's, I got to unpack a little thing here. Uh, so usually what happens is when the song comes up, that determines who the next guest is going to be. And I knew that eventually one of my songs would come up. And okay. I, and I've been trying to think about what's the best way to approach that. 
Like, do I do I reach out to one of the musicians? Do I just sort of take it as when my song comes up, I can invite anyone I want to talk to? Because there's a lot mm-hmm. of people who I can, I are not going to be guests on the show because they have you know they don't have a song in the app, but I might like to do one with them. So yeah, it's just re- it's a, a there's the conundrum is before me. This. <laughs> So if if you were just locked inside your house and had time to think about a solution, if you just had some alone time to figure it out. Yeah, you're right. I just <laughs> <laughs> No, I think I'll I mean it's it's I like that this format constantly tests me. And I'm finding that the part that is the biggest test is contending with the answer to, that it comes up and what it means as far as what I have to do next week. Like when yeah. Amelia's, when the Amelia song came up, I was immediately thinking, well, I didn't, I mean, I, I had no idea it was going to be such a fun and easy experience talking with you about all this. I mean, I know that the situation <laughs> was, is sad, but our conversation has been full of joy and and, and sort of a shared sense of humor about things and but when that song came up, I just thought, oh, I'm going to have to reach out to some people and talk to them about something sad. And yeah, yeah. well, you never you never know. Um, I've got some, you know, I got a little sad talking about it. It makes me sad yeah. talking about. Yeah, but it makes me um, emotional talking about parents and their kids and how to make kids happy. You know, like that's a there's a Jenny's question is kind of brought out more of that the emotions than, um, than talking about death, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I think maybe I've had more time to process it. I mean, I've had a lot of time to process what it's like to be a kid, but I just feel like, um, I spent a lot of time thinking about parents and their kids and, um, how to make kids, how to make kids, um, to equip them, you know, for, for this weird, this weird life. And I envy parents that, that, um, do it well and and that you know like folks like jenny that are um you know just beautiful people with a beautiful mom herself you know that just hearing those stories is like oh god it uh it just sort of uh it got me yeah yeah so and i think that's i mean going back to your question i mean the other side of it as you said you don't i mean to not take things for granted I mean, I think of everyone who's involved, who was involved in that song, and many other people I don't talk to as much. And when I think about if I wasn't able to reach out to them for some reason, like I've lost people, you've lost people, um, I would want to talk to them immediately. And yeah. so maybe there's just something for me. It's just a little thing of remi- of a reminder that even though you might have had a weird interaction with someone before or after or during a show. Uh, doesn't mean that you should take that everything that went before for granted, and uh, yeah, I yeah. think that's I think you're onto something there, and and also I think you know you can never take for granted that you understand what's in anybody else's head, you know, or I just think like so much, so much of uh, of our lives is is kind of wishing that other people felt the same things we feel and understand things the same way we understand them and it's a it's a kind of an impossible 
chore to uh you can't take for granted that that anybody else sees the world you see it that they had the same like maybe they didn't maybe their dad yelled at concerts you know maybe <laughs> maybe they learned how to you know they don't i i guess they've never been on a stage they they've never they've never you know maybe they did sports or something but they've never had to perform so they don't know they don't know that you might be getting in a zone and you're, you're freaking out on the inside and trying to remember the lyrics to your songs. And, you know, it's all, it's all, there's just so much um, empathy is like such a needed element in all of our lives. And I was going to say, you know, if you want to make kids happy, teach them, teach them how to be empathetic, teach them how to understand other people and um, be, and be, sympathetic to themselves to understand themselves and to give themselves a break you know yeah yeah those are that's uh you said everything that i wanted to say there that was good um so well uh i we're getting up to the point where i'm gonna ask my own question i ask my question behind the patreon paywall it's a thin one dollar a month membrane that uh, uh listeners are invited to crossover and then join us backstage <laughs> after all this talk where i'm going to ask my question <laughs> to the pop oracle. as soon as we're done wrapping up the cables though <laughs> and uh and uh so would you mind uh joining me for that and sort of playing you, you can it, sort of help me with my question and before i let you go i mean before we do move in that direction i'd love to know i looked at the amelia website and you can find some stuff there, but what would you, where would you uh, direct people who want to find out more about the band Amelia? Where would people find your records? Is your stuff on Spotify? What's the state of the, the catalog? I think that it's largely been put on um, Apple Music and Spotify and stuff like that. I think it's, I think Tisha's mom got it all up there. Um, what makes it hard is that there are like 30 people named Amelia you know, that go under that name. So right. it can be a little tricky to find, but if you search, if you search like Amelia France, you'd find the record that that was on. Um, and there's, you know, there's a record that some friends of Tisha's put out after she died. Um, a lot of, of her friends finished songs for her and put out a record that I don't know if that one is, I don't know. I know it's called carry on. And it's a tribute to Tisha Helgerson is her last name. And so, yeah, I think it's the only it's the only place in the world where you can hear me singing a song on a recording. But because um, I did it <laughs> and um, but, you know, that if you want to hear if you're interested in kind of going down the Tisha thing, that's that's her basically her record and her poetry finished by other people. Otherwise, the Amelia stuff is all. First record is was just me, basically it was brand new, and I was writing all the songs. And then I would listen to the first two records; those are the ones I'm proudest of. And if uh, if you could find some best links and send them to me, I'll include them in the show notes so people can find their way there. You got it, man. Cool. Well, uh, I'm I'm honored to have shared that that moment in uh, both of our, in all of our timelines uh, at Chaos all those years ago. And the music that you recorded that day is so 
like I can't believe you played it all in just that little studio. I think that's recorded on there's two mics in the room, just two nice mics in the room, and it sounds. I think it sounds like record quality and you it just is such an, really such a sensitive band and to know, um, I don't know, just to know that, 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 that show also sort of has a sort of sad touchstone, uh, turning point touchstone to your story. Yeah. Again, just, it was, uh, it was really an honor to hold space for that. And I'm so glad that we, that that music is gonna, you know, just, lives forever in our app and is providing answers to people to questions like Jenny's. Well, I, I appreciate it, Andros and um, congratulations on having a, on the show that it's still going and having an app and, and um, you know, I hope you get through this whole thing. I know you will. And um, yeah, put on your mask and go talk to a friend in a park, man. You'll be glad you did. Thank you for giving your attention and intention to this episode of Radio 8 Ball Season 3, The Appening with our guest Scott Weddle of the band Amelia. Please remember to subscribe to Radio 8 Ball in your podcast app, and if you like the show, please help other people find us by rating and reviewing Radio 8 Ball positively. If you tell your synchronicity story, I'll read it on the show. Of course, we encourage you to download the Radio 8 Ball app from the iTunes App Store. And finally, I do hope you'll join our Patreon campaign and follow us backstage for my Pop Oracle reading, where I asked, Was that guy referring to me when he mentioned a certain person? The Patreon link is in the show notes. We're going to go out with Scott Weddle's version of the Amelia song, Nothing Fancy This Time, which is on the tribute to Tisha Helgerson, Carry On, Tisha, and Friends. And with that, I'm out. Until next time, I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. Oh